The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. podcast focusing on anthology horror starting with tales from the crypt i'm your least favorite camp counselor tish delano and i'm your other camp counselor lauren jewel before we go creeping through the crypt we wanted to tell you a little bit about ourselves and why we decided to do this podcast so tish i'm gonna do a tiny interview with Mm -hmm. you All right. All right. Question number the first. Tell me about your horror-rebel influences. What got you into the genre? From a small child, I was watching horror, very much attracted to horror. I truly don't remember too much about when I watched what, but very distinctly, and if you've ever seen the movie, you will understand why it's so distinct in my memory. I do remember at the age of four watching Mother's Day. Yes. It's funny you mentioned that because it's currently on Shudder and mm. I just watched it because we talked about this before in passing. Yes. Yeah, I can see why that would fuck you up at four. Yeah, it's, it's a very disturbing trauma film. And to be fair, I just wanted to watch it because there was this lady, a skeleton old lady on the cover and I just thought that looked cool because skeletons were cool. That is fair. She wasn't even that like skeletal looking in the actual movie she wasn't quite that elderly yeah it was a really messed up movie there was a lot of i had a lot of unsupervised time it was the 80s they didn't you know really care about (laughs) (laughs) what we did what else did you watch when you were far too young oh jaws which uh was terrible because i lived in north carolina so we went to the beach a lot terrified of the ocean piranha nightmare on elm street friday the 13th i remember watching it in like fourth grade and having nightmares forever after that thank you tim curry he's he says you're welcome probably (laughs) so we're not there yet because we're going to be starting from tales from the crypt from the very beginning Mm -hmm. from the first episode tim curry is in one of these episodes in the future and his characters <laughs> are amazing. Tim Curry's fantastic. I can't wait till we get to that episode. I remember there was a meme that went around one time that was like, you can tell a lot about a person with how they first remember seeing him. Fabulous. Yes. All right. What about you? What about your horrible influences? So my influences were actually my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, similar-ish situation to where I remember a story that they told me that when I was a toddler, there was some party at our house and Interview with a Vampire was playing on the TV. And I'm just glued to the screen and I'm not moving. I'm very dedicated toddler mm-hmm. watching this movie and my mom is freaking out mm-hmm. and my grandma's just like... It's okay. She'll be fine. She won't remember any of this. (laughs) And then a couple of years later, she gave me the VHS. Mm. 
And then shortly after that, she was babysitting my brother and I. And I remember watching The Mummy with her. Mm. I remember watching Buffy with mm -hmm. her. And it was all her fault. She was, she's a very good influence, I guess. Uh, your grandma had great taste, she I gotta did. say. So what part does horror play in your life today? My living room is pretty much decked out in Beetlejuice and Oogie Boogie. You know, I love me some Oogie. He mm. is my favorite. Also, thanks to that, we met. So mm -hmm. I'd say it was a pretty good time. We met at a zombie walk many years ago. I believe you were just barely out of diapers. What were you, like <laughs> 17, 18? <laughs> I think I was... At least 18. I think I was actually closer to 2021. So we've known each other about 10 years. Yeah, it's been a while. And then we reconnected because we roomed together at a horror con. And you helped take care of me as I was dying. It was great. <laughs> Anytime. You're my favorite dying person. Yay. And uh, together we went on to found Spook Show Babes Burlesque, which is a horror-themed burlesque production basically we just randomly produce shows whenever i feel like it we've done some sold out shows at some horror conventions we standing room only yes it was great we have produced a virtual show which we kind of was set up more like a film called tassels of terror <laughs> yes. we've done a lot together in the realm of horror so this is just one more thing but there's more because you do a lot I do a lot of everything. I do a lot of horror cosplay. Well, most well known in the local con circuit for my Chucky. I custom made a costume and I built a little box for me to stand in a good guy box. Um, but also, I am an actress, usually of the stage, but recently I finally fulfilled my dream of starring in a horror film. I have a small part in a little independent horror film called Feaster Sunday. 10 out of 10 recommend. What can you tell us about it? It is a Easter themed horror film, but it goes a little deeper than that. It basically, one of the plots centers around a small town trying to revive their annual Passion of the Christ oh, play. I can see this going horribly wrong. Yes, they haven't they haven't produced it in many years because of a terrible tragedy. So yeah, you can find me in Feaster Sunday. I have a small part in that, and I was recently cast in a short horror film um, that I will be filming soon with a couple cast members and friends of mine from Feaster. Can't give out any information yet. Right, because that one's still a secret. Yes, yes, I haven't been authorized to release any details, but I can say I am in another, um, and I'm fulfilling yet another bucket list item of mine, uh, which is to uh, die on screen. I mean this in the best way, but I can't wait to see you die. I can't wait to die. So another thing that Tish and I have in common is that we went to the same school. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> over this pandemic, I reached out to her and said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, I like to talk. Why not? Yes. So we decided that we were going to combine our talents. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yes. Putting that putting that uh, 15 grand we put into schooling to good use. Oh, <laughs> it went up when I went. Oh, no. I, I did go to school <laughs> a few years before you. But yes, yes. My digital media arts diploma. I'm, get, I'm getting some use out of it. Yes. And I went for broadcasting. 
So we did want to touch on why start with Tales from the Crypt. The reason we decided to start with Tales from the Crypt is because it's so campy. And with our podcast name being Camp Creep, it's pretty perfect. It is. It's kind of the perfect beginning for an anthology podcast uh, because it is kind of one of the most popular horror anthologies that there has ever been. I mean, everyone knows the Crypt Keeper. He's a staple in pop culture, not just horror. Um, So I think it's, it's a great introduction to horror. I think for many people, it was their introduction into horror. I know I loved it as a child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrified of the Crypt Keeper. Um, <laughs> was up until I finally met John Kassir at a horror con and was like, heard him do the voice. And I was like, okay, all right, great. I'm not going to have nightmares. This is awesome. Great. Do you remember how you stumbled upon Tales from the Crypt? Uh, I had a relative that had a satellite dish and thus mm-hmm. had HBO. Yes, they, they had a little more money than we did. <laughs> and my cousins, who were a big influence on me, they loved horror movies. So they were always making me watch horror movies with them, which got me into horror. They loved Tales from the Crypt. And so we would just watch it. And it was had enough humor that it didn't give me nightmares, per se. Definitely scared me, but it was just funny enough that we could get away with they could get away with letting me watch it without getting in too much trouble. When you watched it, because you said it was on Showtime, right? Uh, HBO. HBO. So when you watched it and it was on HBO, mm-hmm. you saw all the boobs. Yeah, I was not supposed to be seeing boobs, which doesn't make sense to me, but okay. Yeah, yeah censorship <laughs> is questionable some days, but yes. we won't do. Yes. We won't dive into that yet. No problem with the gore, but boobs, that's a problem. Um, yeah, there were lots of boobs, yes. Um, I recall that. And then, I mean, the later seasons, I, I think I watched those on syndicated television, like sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so, missing out on the boobage. That's uh, how I started watching it, too, was thanks to sci-fi. It used to play every night before wrestling, and it was on around my bedtime because I was probably only six or seven when I started watching, Mm -hmm. and I would leave it on, turn the TV on a timer or whatever, and fall asleep to dead time stories from him. (laughs) Nice. All right. Should we uh, start creeping? Let us creep into the crypt. All right. Season one, episode one of Tales from the Crypt. The man who was death. In the first episode of Tales from the Crypt, we meet Niles. Niles is an electrocutioner for the state, but tragedy happens and he loses his job. He's not exactly thrilled about it, so he decides to basically be the anti-Batman. And then he goes on a spree, he gets caught, and the whole episode starts over again. So this episode starts out with, of course, the first introduction of the Crypt Keeper, enjoying watching little flies go into a bug zapper, Um, and then we get into the actual episode. It's nice and brief. It is. And the episode starts with... This guy being dragged to the electric chair. We are on death row and we're watching dear Charlie get dragged to the chair because poor Charlie, like many of us, asked his boss for a raise. Boss said no. So Charlie went and got drunk on his lunch break, went out, got a gun, shot his boss, accidentally shot and killed the secretary. Terrible tragedy. It is a tragedy, but um, maybe because you are 
the HR manager at our <laughs> other job. Yes. Can you uh, tell everybody the correct way to go about getting a raise? Yes. Um, there are many ways to get a raise. Oh, none of them involve shooting your boss. Or the secretary. Or the secretary. <laughs> yes. No. No. There, there's many ways to go about it. You know, uh, documenting, you know, your work and your improvements over a period of time. I recommend a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. That. There are many ways to go about trying to get a raise, but yeah, murder is not one of them. No. Pretty much guaranteed to lead to not getting a raise. Yeah, you'll probably have, you'll get fired. Yes. Like Charlie. Uh, 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 Thank you. I'll be here all day. I live here. So, and we meet Niles, and Niles is unsettling. Creepy doesn't even begin to describe him, because he's just an unsettling... He's dedicated. He really likes his job. He does. He loves killing people. Um, Specifically killing murderers, I would assume. The interesting thing is, is, you know, he breaks the fourth wall and he talks right to the audience. Mm -hmm. Making it somehow even more unsettling. His casualness about all the death and the fact that he doesn't like to look away. So you're right. Niles breaks the fourth wall throughout the entire episode and we get to see into his mind, which is not a place I would like to visit ever again. Thank you. No. And everybody in the jail knows who Niles is. Yes. The warden is even a little on edge around him, but Niles does the deed. And he, he does it well. He does it real well. Yes. Well uh, done. He does reveal that he started out as an electrician for the prison and then became, you know, the electrocutioner. As one does. Yes. And when I was watching this episode at home with my fiance, who is an electrician, he did stop to reassure me that he will never become an executioner. Did you make him pinky promise that? I didn't, now that I think back on it. That might be something I need to work into, like, our prenup. I'll I'll make sure to mention it in my speech there as your maid of honor. Yes, yes, please do. Sir, sir, if you become an electrocutioner, we're gonna have a talk. So, after work, we get to our... I can't tell if it's our favorite or least favorite scene. Niles goes to a diner. <laughs> and, oh my god, please... I, I can't say the words. Please tell them what the hell he orders. Niles orders a black coffee and a cheese sandwich. Like, who on this planet is going to a restaurant saying, you know what I want? You know what I'm really craving that I couldn't just make at home myself, that I need someone else to physically make for me? A cheese sandwich. A piece of cheese between two slices of bread. Well, here's a fun thing for you, Tish. It is dinner time right now, and I made you dinner. Let me go grab it. Absolutely not excited about this prospect. I'm lactose intolerant. (laughs) So I have to very much limit my dairy. Also, never been a huge fan of cheese. I have since expanded my repertoire, my taste buds, and I've gotten a little bit into cheese. but And oh look, she brought me a sandwich. I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to eat half, and you can eat this half. Oh boy. So it is two pieces of white bread, and in between them is like a slice and a half of what looks to be a craft single. Um, excuse me, I oh. got you name brand Sargento's <gasps> Sharp Cheddar Sargento Cheese. Sharp cheddar. At least... 
Like, at least it's good cheese and not something that had plastic film peeled off of it. That is like literally one molecule away from being plastic itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Shall we taste test? Let's taste test the cheese sandwich. This is an ASMR nobody asked for. <laughs> Who would pay money for this? Well, it was the 80s, so probably wasn't that much. Tish's face is one that is not amused. It's just a lot of cheese and bread. Sometimes you can make it a festive sandwich by adding mayonnaise or mustard, but no, no, no. Absolutely not. We just got the straight up cheese sandwich. Straight up cheese sandwich. There, you can throw it up there. I will repurpose this. Need some butter, needs to be grilled. Please. Yeah, I think that's what I'll be doing tonight after you leave is making a real grilled cheese. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a much better plan. So yeah, Niles orders a cheese sandwich. That, if all the other red flags weren't a warning sign that this gentleman is severely mentally unstable, that this gentleman is a psychopath, the fact that he went into a restaurant and ordered a cheese sandwich, that, that should be the primary indicator that there's something very wrong. It is. But while he's at this restaurant, they're watching the news, and the news makes a very important announcement. Niles State is going to do away with the death penalty, which means poor Niles is going to be out of a job. At first, Niles is a little worried, but then he's kind of like, it's no big deal. I'm an electrician. I can go back to my old job. But But the very next scene, it's the warden and him sitting in the warden's office, and he's piecing him out. Basically, because everyone in the prison is so utterly creeped out by Niles, and the prisoners don't trust him because, you know, he was executing them not that long ago. They can't give Niles another job in the prison. So now Niles is jobless. He's only got that one main skill. He should probably not go into customer service. I would not recommend. So Niles ends up at a bar talking to his good pal Vic, the bartender, who ends up inspiring Niles. You can't spell Vic without Ick. I got that from the Fairly Odd Parents. I wish I could say I did that on my own. That is correct. So Niles is inspired to basically uh, go Dexter. Yes. Not to be confused with Dexter's laboratory. Dexter, the serial killer, the uh, anti-hero. Niles becomes a spectator at the courthouse. The first trial that we see him at is for a guy named James Flood. Creepy mo. And James Flood is found innocent of murder due to a clerical error, much to the... Everybody's dismay. Yes, and his sister cries out, but he killed my brother. And he's just like, leave me alone, bitch. Yeah. So James is, like I said, one evil-looking son of a bitch. He's he's not a teddy bear. He's big and fluffy like one, but he is not nice. Mm-mm. And so then we see James, you know, driving down an alley. The song Rumble is playing. If you've never heard Rumble, Google it. It's a classic <laughs> that makes instantly makes you think of, like, old-school biker. And, he, you know, and you're like, okay. But then when he gets... Uh, the closer he gets, the more you see Niles standing there. And Niles is telling us, the audience, the camera, that he has set up a plan. And then when 
Flood gets there to open up this gate or whatever, I imagine he was going home to celebrate being free due to the clerical error. And zip zap. Jake's Flood is no more. He's been electrocuted. So after James's murder, Niles goes back to the bar. He and Vic are talking about James's quote-unquote accidental death. Mm-hmm. And it kind of confirms that Niles did the right thing. Vic is not a good person. Vic is a terrible influence. Niles really should have surrounded himself with some better friends. Some people have the angel and a devil on their shoulder. Niles just has two Vicks. <laughs> So back to the courthouse, we get a two-for-one special. We have Cynthia and Theodore, and it's about the mysterious death of Theodore's first wife. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're acquitted. They're found not guilty. And then they go to celebrate in a hot tub. For some sexy naked time. There is sexy naked time, and I don't even like that word. But I have questions. Okay. So they're in a hot tub, yeah. but they also have alcohol with them because they're celebrating. Yeah. And the area looks pretty nice, so it kind of looks like a gym to me. (laughs) And this is where I have my issues. Uh So either these two are butt-ass naked in Mm -hmm. a public gym hot tub, (laughs) or there's a little bit extra law breaking here about to happen and Niles broke into their home but when he catches them in the hot tub they're both like oh my money is in my wallet or I've got money in my purse so they're either being not good people out in public or B he just broke into their house and like he has so many other options of things he can take. Yeah I mean while I wouldn't put it past anyone to have sex in a public hot tub. Gross. Pretty sure it happens all the time. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, stay out of hot tubs, kids. They're disgusting. I believe that they were in their own home because the whole reason that they allegedly uh, murdered his wife was for the money. So I believe that they were probably pretty wealthy, so they had a hot tub at home. True. Two, they were naked, so obviously you don't have your wallet on you when you're both naked in a hot tub. <laughs> so I-, I believe that they were probably in their home. When we were watching this episode together, I remember you were laughing at how they died when they got electrocuted. <laughs> Will you share with the class why? Oh, because like the go- the male actor was going so like over the top with his electrocution while the the female actress was giving more of a subtle um a subtle seizure effect and it was just comical like the 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 looks on their faces of just two people trying to figure out what the hell you look like when you're being electrocuted it was quite amusing yes I don't think we go back to the bar in between this and, like, the last few scenes, do we? No. No, we don't go back to Vic. So next what you see, uh, Niles steps on a newspaper and it says, Go-Go Dancer acquitted for boyfriend's murder. And you see this photo of a beautiful young woman and then a creepy-looking lich uh, and very old man. And then it's boobs. 
So many boobs. Boobs. Actually, how many boobs do you think we had in this episode? Individually or as a pair? As a pair. I'm gonna say 10. You're pretty close. We got four sets of boobs. Four sets of boobs. It just felt like a lot because it's just they kept just there were boobs out of focus. There were boobs in focus. We panned past boobs. Oh, there's boobs over there in the corner of the screen. Like, we're literally just boobs. (laughs) everywhere. I wish I could remember this episode as a kid, but I don't because (laughs) even then I watched it on sci-fi, so I know it was heavily edited. Yes, I I cannot imagine how they aired this one uh, with all the nudity in it. But it was quite interesting. Niles walks into a bar and it's it's not a it's not a a strip club. Um, It is, I believe, when I was growing up, they would have called it a topless bar or a quote-unquote titty bar, as my dad would say, where the women are just merely topless and it's kind of like a regular club, but there just happens to be topless women all around. In cages. In cages. So cage dancer magic. So Niles has this great quote, probably my favorite quote from the episode, which is, treat the whores like queens and the queens like whores. Classy. Such a feminist. Niles. Classy ass motherfucker. So he focuses in on the uh, one particular girl dancing in the cage and he declares that Ooh, this is my favorite quote actually. Couple of minutes, we'll have ourselves one dead little go-go dancer. So he tries to murder her. He tries to electrocute her. You can see that he's got wires running to the cage that she's in and it doesn't work. Turns out it was a bust. A little sting operation to catch the guy that's been electrocuting people. I mean, really, who was surprised that it turned out to be Niles? I mean, it's all he knew how to do. He's just a poor, sad guy. So he gets arrested, and that's when he finds out that great news. The death penalty has been reinstated. Oh, shit. So we're brought back to a great mirror of the beginning, the opening scene. They are dragging Niles to the death chamber through death row. He's screaming the same stuff that Charles was screaming, like, the governor's gonna call. He's gonna let me out. I didn't do anything wrong. Yep. And his boss has this moment that it's a little creepy. It brings him a little too much satisfaction to lean down to Niles and just reassure him like, oh, there was nothing I could do. Sorry, bud. Mm-hmm. Sure is sorry. Yeah, I've had some really toxic ex-bosses. And I would just like to say, if I'm on my deathbed or strapped to the electric chair for that matter, please stay. Stay away. Don't, please. D- I don't want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd really want any of my ex-bosses or really anybody to be near me at that time. No, not a good time. So Niles states that he turned down the customary haircut, which is apparently to prevent his head from bursting into flames. That makes sense. Um, Because he was so convinced that the governor's call would come through any minute. And my question is, like, where, where, what was he so concerned about? That he was going to be pardoned and then have to walk around with a shitty haircut <laughs> as a convicted murderer who was saved at the last moment? Like, I just really like to think that would be the least of his worries. It's just hair. It'll grow back. Just get the buzz cut. It'll be fine. You'll be dead. Also, I vaguely remember from watching Faces of Death with my dad when I was a kid. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. 
But I remember watching a guy uh, in the electric chair and they put a wet sponge on his head to keep his head from bursting into flames. If they put a sponge on somebody's head, wouldn't the water, like the electric currents, I'm not an electrician. <laughs> I'm not even great at normal science-y stuff. But yeah. wouldn't that make it go faster? Yeah, yeah. I think that might have had something to do with the two. Maybe bring more electricity straight to the head because the water is a great conductor. Listen to me trying to reference that seventh grade <laughs> science class where we learned about electricity. So, yep, Niles is fried, electrocuted. And then we go back to the Crypt Keeper, who, of course, totally on brand, is electrocuting himself for funsies, <laughs> as one does. He just really likes having a zip-zappingly good time. Yes. There's some good puns in there. One that I didn't catch until we put on the subtitles or the captions. See, that's why I love captions, because a lot of the puns he makes is just spelling things differently, yes. and you don't catch that the first time. There's one, it was what, W-A-T-T instead of W-H-A-T. But something of note about this scene <laughs> that my fiancé pointed out is, uh, you see his feet. And I say that because I have no, I mean, usually I recall, when I think of the Crypt Keeper, I think of him kind of from, like, the waist up. But here you see him kicking his creepy little decrepit feet. And it was really upsetting, much in the way that when you see, uh, like, the Muppets walking down the street and you see them in, like, people's shoes and it kind of upsets you when you watch, like, Kermit ride a bicycle. It's just something about it's visually upsetting. He did, he just woke up. He doesn't have time to go get a pedicure. Give him some slack. I, I did check. Um, and unfortunately, there is no wiki feet entry for the Crypt Keeper. So we're... Are you going to make a wiki entry for um, his feet? So apparently it's a like a quite an extensive process to try to get somebody onto wiki feet. So you have to have one an account to make a submission to wiki feet. And two, you have to go into deep detail um, and provide a lot of documentation. Because yes, I did. Oh, and see if I could get him onto wiki feet. This is hardcore. Uh, yeah. And to be fair, I, I just really don't like feet. Feet gross me out a lot. So the idea of going the distance just to get the Crypt Keeper a wiki feet entry, it's not my jam. But if somebody out there wants to do it and screenshot it and send us proof. You can send that screenshot to campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. Growing up as a latchkey kid in a small town in Maine, I always assumed I was safe. After all, unless it makes national news, murder isn't something people talk about around here. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Murder, She Told is a true crime podcast featuring crime stories, unsolved murders of missing persons, and baffling cold cases from my home state of Maine, New England, and small towns across America. These are the crime stories your hometown doesn't want to talk about. The mysteries buried deep in the newspaper archives of local American history. These are the homicides you've probably never heard of before. Through detailed storytelling and connections with family, friends, and investigators closest to the case, Murder, She Told will hit home for any true crime fan, whether you're from Maine or from away. Visit MurderSheTold.com to suggest your hometown crime story. And subscribe now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Kristen Seavey, and this is Murder, She Told.
Now let's talk about the actors and everybody that was a part of this episode because you did some deep dive recently. I did because that's probably one of my favorite things about horror anthologies, especially something like Tales from the Crypt is because they're shorts, because it's something, you know, it's not the same characters every week. You get a ton of actors. You get a lot of people early in their career because for a lot of people it's going to be one of their early gigs. It's the reason you know a lot of people have Law and Order credits. A lot of those revolving sitcoms where um, they have new characters introduced every week. It's a great jumping board for actors. So of course we have Niles, who's played by Bill Sadler, very famous actor. Ironically, he was in The Green Mile. Oh. <laughs> which is also about somebody getting electrocuted in the electric chair. The book is better. <laughs> most of the time it yeah. is. Um, I did find, you know, like I said, most of the actors, it was just people that have done, you know, they've just done small parts, you know, here, there, their entire careers, just doing different shows. Not many of them, like, got their big break. I did note, if you're a fan of the show Mom, which is what, it's in its final season on CBS? Yeah, I think I've watched that before. Yes. Allison Janney and Anna Ferris. Oh, Anna Ferris is one of my favorites. I love her love voice. One of the characters on the show, one of the supporting characters who is a friend of Allison Janney's character, is actually the sister in James Flood's trial, the one who screams, You oh. killed my brother! That's her. It was very one of her one-off things that she did early in her career to get some momentum, some fodder for her um, actor's reel. Obviously, yeah, she um, had a major reoccurring role. She was a pretty active supporting character in the show Mom for its entire run. She was one of the bigger ones. Everyone else, it was just little things here and there, some voiceover work. The big, like I said, the big star of the episode was Bill Sadler. As it keeps going, the directors get bigger, the actors get bigger, you're going to get bigger names, um, but you're still going to find a lot of people very early in their career just getting their start. It was their, like... You know, one of their jumping off points. Fun fact, both Bill Sadler and the actor who played Vic, Roy Brocksmith, they're both in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I have a confession to make. Oh no, what? I have never seen any of the Bill and Ted movies. Oh no! But I, I like to think I'm still excellent to each other. I don't, I don't know. I am so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, Bill Sadler plays Death in it. But yeah, so Vic is played by Roy Brocksmith, and he's got a lot of horror creds to his name. He was in Arachnophobia, which is one of my childhood faves. I have uh, that. It's good time. It's a great film. So that's just a few fun facts about some of the actors in this episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, so all in all, did you enjoy this episode? So I did enjoy that episode. It had, I felt like, a nice balance of of the elements I enjoy about Tales from the Crypt. I mean, while it was a little bit dated, obviously super, super 80s, you know, it had very talented cast, had a great plot... You know, and even though you should have seen, I should have seen the end twist coming of, of course, he's going to end up in the electric chair. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great twist. I thought it was a really, I thought it was a good story. You just kind of mentioned it, how you didn't see that twist happening. But at the first scene, when Niles is introducing himself to the camera, when he's walking away, he says, it's gotta be the electric chair for me. So I enjoyed it because there was foreshadowing. Mm, gotta love a good foreshadow. Yeah. 
So that's it for our very first episode. Go team. Thank you for listening to Camp Creep. Our theme music was created by Steve O'Dockerson. Our logo was designed by Tish Delano. The show is produced by Lauren Jewell and Tish Delano and edited by Lauren Jewell. You can support the show by subscribing to us on iTunes and leave us a review. Creep, Creep it, it real. real.